Last week, as we closed out on Friday, we did so with a look at the Lord's table, just exactly what communion is. Well, we are continuing with that look here today on Abounding Grace. Hi there, and welcome to the program. Our teacher and pastor, Pastor Chris Gordon, returns us to our look at the Lord's table and the significance of just what this table provides for you and I on a regular basis. We invite you to spend time with us today as we turn our attention to Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. You are invited to a great feast. That's the title of our message recently delivered at a communion service by Pastor Chris Gordon. So let's catch up with them in Matthew here today on this edition of Abounding Grace. Whenever we have this description of this banquet in Scripture, uh, all throughout the Scripture, but especially at the end, the anticipation of the one that I talked about that is to come. Listen to the language of this from Revelation chapter 19. Then I heard what seemed to be a voice, the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Blessed are those. Imagine it, beloved, for a minute. You look around and you're absolutely overwhelmed. We're in the future in Revelation 19. You've entered into glory. You've entered the kingdom. And you enter this glorious banquet hall. And there you say, there's, there's Abraham. And there's Isaac. And there's Jacob. And then you look up. And the Savior comes up and hands you a cup. Drink of it. I told you we would do this together. In the new heavens and the new earth, the cup of blessing, the cup of happiness, the cup of joy, that's what's coming. That's what you're celebrating and anticipating tonight, what he did so that he might give you that. It's a wedding feast. John um, knew that the groom would come in his best attire with his friends and they would sing and bear torches and they would come to their betrothed and have a great procession taking the bride home and then his bride would come into the dining hall and this great feast would be spread. This was John 2. But Jesus had made it very clear in John 2. My time has not yet come for my wedding feast. This is somebody else's wedding feast. But my wedding feast hasn't come yet. My hour hasn't come. So here we are. And the reason I, 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 I rehearse some of that glorious invitation and the beauty of what this, this is, is, is to encourage you that this is everything that the Lord has prepared for those who love him. 
Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered in the heart of man the things that God's prepared for those who love him. Here's my point. Do you understand tonight that the Lord's Supper anticipates this? Do you understand that the Lord's Supper anticipates this? We're not just looking there. We get to enjoy something now. It's a celebration. (laughs) This is a grand celebration that's happening right now. Think about what was just said to you in the Heidelberg about the supper. Christ wants to teach us in the supper that as bread and wine sustain us in his temporal life, so his crucified body and shed blood are true food and drink for our souls. That is, that is wonderful news. <laughs> but even more important, he wants to assure us by this visible sign and pledge in a feast that he has given us together to enjoy. That through the working of the Holy Spirit, we share in his true body and blood as surely as we receive with our mouth these holy signs in remembrance of him. And second, that all his suffering and obedience are as certainly ours as if we personally had suffered and paid for our sins. This is what the supper's about. (laughs) This is what we come to celebrate. Jesus given for you. Jesus laying down his life for you. Jesus feeding you. Anticipating this face-to-face eating and drinking together in the kingdom of the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is a, a glorious, glorious banquet that we have. And this is nothing compared to what's to come. <laughs> when we get to use our resurrected eyes and look with resurrected eyes on the resurrected Savior with all the resurrected saints throughout history. But this is an interesting moment in the parable. We're not waiting. I want you to think about this for a minute. We have this rhythm in life of of work and and rest. This is why Sabbath's important. And then the the table is important that anticipates what is coming. And and I think the, the real encouragement of this before we get to the responses is to say, we're not waiting to see whether we will enter that day. That's a wrong way to look at salvation. We're not waiting to see if hopefully we will eat and drink this anew in the kingdom. You either have entered today or you haven't. Which is the question that Jesus is now pressing. Have you entered? Have you entered this kingdom? And that's evidenced by faith as we commune together and feed together on the body and blood of Christ. So you would send the invitation to these feasts. The person would accept And then right before the feast, the announcement would come. Everything's ready. Everything's ready. Come. Come. The table's set. Table is all set. And now come the surprising responses. This is what entering the kingdom is like. This is the struggle in this age. So he went to those to call those who were invited. You'll notice here, the invitation went out. 
When the time of the supper came, he went out again, come. And here we are. It's interesting what Jesus captures. In Luke, uh, we have an interesting interjection in the Luke version of this, which is entirely different with a different purpose. And that's why I don't, sometimes don't like to cross them too much. We have to look at the very purpose of the author here. But at least in Luke, they, with the first set of responses, there were at least some excuses made. Here the feast was prepared. What Jesus is drawing out is they forcibly grabbed the invitation and they tore it up. They put it in the shredder. You actually get the sense that there is in this, in this section real irritation and real anger that they might have to come and inconvenience themselves to this man's feast. It's so unimportant to them in this first set, uh, uh, this first response, that they don't even make an excuse. Notice this in verse 3. And sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast. And these glaring words come back at us. But they would not come. They would not come. There was no interest in this feast. There was no value in this feast. There just was no appreciation for who was inviting them. Why are you troubling me and putting pressure on me to come to this? Is the attitude. And I stop and I say tonight, that's how Israel responded to her Messiah. That's how Israel responded to her Messiah. I think we would be wrong not to have some kind of challenge to us. A great feast is spread tonight. Anticipating the heavenly return of Jesus when we will do this face to face. He actually went to the cross to die to give you this. Last week an announcement went out. We're having the supper. An announcement went out that you're going to have the supper tonight. The elders call you. Come partake of something that celebrates, question 79, that Christ's crucified body and poured out blood are true food and drink for your souls for eternal life. Maybe some couldn't make it. I think there's legitimate reasons. Maybe some are sick. Maybe some, because of old age, can't make it. Maybe some in the weakness of the body can't make it. I understand that. But if some said, I'm not interested. I've got better things to do. There's a problem of a stony heart. I don't care. I have no interest in that. Why, pastor, are you pressing me to be here? That's the attitude of the parable. That's the attitude of Israel. But they would not come. It meant nothing. It meant nothing. And you see, this parable is exposing 
this kind of attitude to the kingdom of God, to the work of Jesus, to all the sacrifice that was made, there's no interest in this man's supper. There's no interest in this. And Jesus tells us this, this, in the way he tells it, this gracious father is hosting this banquet for his wonderful son. It's the ultimate privilege you get. You get to feast. You get to be happy. You get to enter in joy into this kingdom forever, which anticipates being with him forever. Can you believe this great father invited us to his son's supper is the the sense we get from this. So merciful. They couldn't have said no. They couldn't have said, I'm just, leave me alone. Jesus says, so, Father, being so merciful, went and sent other servants. My supper's ready. Tell them, look what I've done. I've, I've killed the fatted calf and, and everything's ready. Come, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what we declare. That's what he declares. Come to the wedding feast. Verse 5. But they paid no attention. One went to his farm and another to his business. Then the surprising thing. Then some got angry at the servants who went to give the invitation. They trashed them and they spoke badly about them and then they killed some of them. You see why the Pharisees perceived he was talking about them? The whole history was that they stoned the prophets who were sent early, rising up early, giving a call of mercy. All day long I stretched out my hands, O Israel, to you. Come, come. Enter the gracious kingdom. In the previous parable, there was a parable told of the landlord and the workers in the vineyard. They'll respect my son. But they said, that's the heir. Come, let us kill him. And, th- and there, uh, cast him out of the vineyard and they killed him. There's an end to these calls. You know, the gospel ministry has gone on a long time. No one can accuse the Lord of being impatient and long-suffering. These calls have gone out and still go out to this day, to the ends of the earth. And One of the ways you see it is how the kingdom begins to take shape. The king gets angry. And some of those immediately faced his judgment. Then he does something beautiful in verse 8. And he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. This is a surprising development. And those servants went out to the roads and they gathered all whom they found, both, an interesting little statement here, bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. 
Go out quickly into the lanes. Go out quickly into the roads. And you go get Luke, the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. None could ever be brought there on their own, by the way. It would be like walking down to Washington Avenue tonight. Saying, why isn't the Escondido URC packed out for the Lord's Supper? I'll tell you what. Pause. We're going to go down to Washington. And we're going to go gather we're going to go to the train depot and we're going to go to the homeless and we're going to go to the prostitutes and we're going to go to the bad and the good. We're going to put the bad and the good together and a whole bunch of them, we're going to fill this place. What a moment. Come. See that, that general call? Come. Come to the feast. Announce it everywhere. Tell, open up the doors and announce it everywhere. We'll fill the kingdom of God. I'll have my feast. I'll have my feast full. I'll have my feast full with people who want to be there. I'll have people who are happy to be there. I'll have people who know the great sacrifice that was made. So imagine he pulls down in his limousine and. He picks up, and there he fills the limousine with all of the filthiest people you could ever imagine. And there they come through the door. You understand the intention here? The blessing of the feast is enjoyed by the privilege of communing. Those who understand the privilege of communing with the Father and the Son, through the Son. Who is being celebrated here? As surely as I receive from the hand of the minister and taste with my mouth the bread and cup of the Lord, as sure signs of Christ's body and blood, so surely does he himself nourish and refresh my soul to everlasting life with his crucified body and shed blood. Do you believe that? What's happening tonight? Well, that's, that's a remarkable feast. That's a remarkable feast. <laughs> I didn't know the master loves me that much to invite me to a feast of his son and to give me his son that way. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's wonderful. He loves me and he's going to shepherd me. The Lord is my shepherd. You see who's being offered to you tonight? This is not an ordinary meal. This is a sacred meal. Because you say I'm rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come and to him and dine with him and he with me. Here's where we get to the meaning of the parable. The kingdom of God in Christ had come upon them. God had sent everything that Israel anticipated and looked for and what Christ was saying the whole time was, beloved, come to me. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon, notice that, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I'm lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls in my kingdom. My yoke is easy and my burden's light. You know when you come by faith to Jesus, you enter the kingdom right then and there. 
It's not in question. Oh, I hope I get in and enjoy the feast on the last day. When you come by faith, believing, you enter into a great celebration that now is signified in the supper. That's why he gives it to you. But I think Jesus here gives us this last caution. He will fill his church with eager people who want to be in his kingdom. Isn't it an interesting inclusion in verse 10? And those servants who went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good, so the wedding hall was filled with with guests, both bad and good. Isn't that an interesting little inclusion? Who troubled the Pharisees the most? The bad. Were the good. You know, in the previous section, you look over at verse 31. Here's what it says. Truly, second half of it, I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. Whoa. You see what's on his mind. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. Even when you saw it, you did not afterwards change your minds and believe in him. The issue is not who is bad and good. The issue of this particular text is, who has the wedding garment? (laughs) That's one of the reasons we fence the table. Right here. Somebody came in. Master says, what is this person doing here that doesn't have a wedding garment on? Who do you think he was talking about, the bad or the good? In this case, it's the good. The Pharisees who didn't think they needed him. You see, this is the message of the parable. There were those who thought they were righteous and didn't need Jesus. There were those who never took his kingdom call seriously. And Jesus is saying to you tonight, I want you to know that for those who refuse this call, stay away from the kingdom, your biggest problem is you don't have a wedding garment. You have to be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. And then tonight, I have good news for you. Look at the love with which he's loved us, beloved. Guilty as these wretched tax collectors and prostitutes were, he fills his hall with them. And believing in his son, he covers them. And this is why Jesus came. This is why Jesus came. To die on the cross and make this great announcement I have given you a way back. I have given you a way into my kingdom. I have given you the proper clothing to enter. I have done everything necessary. And my father, think about the great, what we celebrate in Romans 8. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up freely for us all. How shall he not freely with him give us everything? That's what he's saying. And what I want to say tonight to encourage you, is having come, his arms are extended, come, having believed the gospel, the Lord has done something for you so that you would be assured and reminded and fed and nourished 
on the life that truly matters. He has spread a table for you. He has set a table out for you. You who confess your sins. You who see your need for him. You who believe in him and understand the wonderful grace to be able to come to this feast. This is for you. This is for you. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Chris Gordon. Just enough time to leave you with our contact information. We'd love to hear from you. It's always a delight knowing you're being blessed by this radio program. Reach out to us at our website, agradio.org. Questions at agradio.org. If you wish to email us any questions you might have or praise reports, comments about the program, or give us a call, 888-504-8805. By the way, when you visit our website, agradio.org, tons of resource material for you to tap into, as well as links to our other platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Again, all at agradio.org. And that phone number, once again, is 888-504-8805. Looking to write to us? If you're old school, the address for your envelope is Abounding Grace Radio, P.O. Box 732, Linden, Washington. The zip code is 98264. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Abounding Grace is brought to you on this radio station by Abounding Grace Radio Ministries. Hi, this is Chris Gordon, pastor of the Escondido United Reformed Church. I'd like to invite you to our Sunday worship services at 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. on Sunday. We have two worship services, 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. We preach Christ and Him crucified with the goal that you would live in the joy of this comfort in the knowledge of the forgiveness of all of your sins. 1864 North Broadway is the address here in Escondido. We'd love to see you this Sunday.